Last December, one of my heroes made the news. A person who is known for their great courage and wisdom. A person who faced down death on multiple occasions and escaped victoriously. A person who embodies honor, sacrifice, commitment, duty. A person who dared to go where no man has gone before. Some of you may have already guessed who it is. My hero is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. (laughs) For those of you who are really confused, I am a huge Trekkie. I love the television show Star Trek. If you don't believe me, stop by my office and you'll see a large collection of models of starships. For most of my life, I have watched the adventures of Captain Picard and his crew played, of course, by the legendary British actor Patrick Stewart. Although Patrick Stewart is a serious actor who has starred in many great films and Shakespeare plays, he is perhaps best known for his role on this goofy 1990s sci-fi show. But for many people, including myself, when Patrick Stewart speaks, it is Captain Picard who is speaking through him. I listen when Patrick Stewart speaks. He speaks with authority and power. That's exactly what he did this past December. In a number of interviews and magazine articles, Patrick Stewart came out on record speaking out against domestic violence. Why? Because Patrick Stewart's own mother was a victim of domestic violence. He recalls as a five-year-old the nights when his father would come home from the pub late at night in a rage, the fear he felt hiding under his bed. And now, 72 years later, Patrick Stewart remembers how it feels to be powerless. And he used his fame, and he's still using his fame, to advocate for victims of this unspeakable evil. But what gives him the right to speak with such authority? After all, he's just an actor, just a guy from TV. Why should we listen to him? I imagine that the people in that Capernaum synagogue thought the same thing about Jesus that day. Who is this 30-year-old carpenter from Nazareth teaching the law? Why should we listen to him? What gives him the right to speak with such authority on this issue? Authority and power. That's why we should listen to Jesus. See, this story from Mark chapter 1 at its core is about authority and power. Mark wants us to understand that Jesus has all of the authority and power in this world, even over the demonic forces of sin and death. And not only that, this story from Mark chapter 1 redefines for each one of us what authority and power actually mean. We need to begin by looking at these words, power, authority. These are common words, you hear them all the time, we use them, but you might not know there's been a lot of controversy and debate over these two words in the history of the church and in the history of philosophy throughout the world. So for simplicity's sake, I want to summarize all of those debates for you. 
by defining authority in this way. Authority refers to right speaking. When we say someone is authoritative, that means that we honor and respect what they say. Authoritative people speak truth. Authoritative people speak with wisdom. We don't respect the authority of liars or cheats or people who obscure and reject the truth. Authority, right speaking. Power, though, is something a little different. Power refers to effective action. Powerful people are able to do what they will. They're able to accomplish their goals. On the other hand, powerless persons, they don't have any ability to act. It's been taken from them. Or someone else's power is oppressing them. Too much power can be quite dangerous. We all know this and have seen it. It can lead to all sorts of abuse. But not enough power is equally dangerous. It can lead to manipulation, to oppression. Authority is right speaking. Power is effective action. These two ideas go together, but they are distinct. Right speaking can motivate effective action. And sometimes the opposite is true. Effective action can motivate someone to speak right. This distinction is very important in the world of the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament, you see power and authority distinguished. We see it pretty clearly in our psalm, Psalm 111. However, the distinction between power and authority is virtually unknown in the pagan world. For pagans in Jesus' day, power and authority were the same thing. Truth was defined by whoever wielded the most power. And this led to all sorts of abuses. Many autocratic leaders came to power who indiscriminately wielded their power and authority over people. Perhaps one of the best examples of that is from the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar. All power and authority belonged to him. When he spoke, it was true, and what he did was right. You could also say the same thing about the Caesars of ancient Rome, the Caesars in Jesus' day. If you're looking for a contemporary example of what this looks like, you can look at George Orwell's famous book, 1984. There, the government defined what was true, and thus defined reality for everyone, justifying everything they did. Power and authority were one, the same thing. Contrast this pagan view with the view of ancient Israel, with the view of the Old Testament. Jews were unique for confessing that all power and all authority belongs to God. This means that God defines what is true. God defines how power is used. And significantly, God delegates his authority to us, humans. It begins right at the beginning with Genesis 2. God gives Adam and Eve authority in creation to work it, to name it, to keep the commandments of God. But their authority is a delegated authority. They rule on God's behalf. But, and this is critical, 
God does not give humans his power. Look through the Old Testament. A human is never described as having God's power. Prophets, priests, kings of Israel, yes, all spoke with God's authority, but none of them are ever described as having power. Power belongs to God alone. So the question then is, how do humans listen to God's authority? How do we know who to listen to in the world? Both Jews and Christians for thousands of years have confessed that the way we know what is authoritative is by listening to God's speech in Holy Scripture. That's why we come together in worship and read from this book and someone gets up here and interprets what it says. If you want to know what right speaking is, listen to God's voice in the word. Okay, so where am I going with this? What's going on here? All of this complex history of authority and power is in the background of Mark chapter 1. See, a Jewish person reading this story about Jesus could not have read it without this background. But us today in the 21st century, we're very far removed from these notions. But seeing these distinctions help us see what's going on here. So let's jump on in. The story of Jesus' first teaching in the synagogue, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus is probably early in his ministry, in his 30s. In verse 22, they respond to his teaching this way. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one with authority, not like the scribes. There's that word. Mark is being intentional. Jesus spoke in the synagogue with authority. He spoke rightly. He spoke truth and wisdom but he's contrasted with the scribes. The scribes were like the lay leaders of the synagogue. They were very studied, uh, very intellectual lay people. Think of your Sunday school teacher growing up. Their authority came from their education. That's how they spoke truth. But Jesus didn't have fancy degrees. Jesus didn't cite his sources. Jesus spoke authoritatively. One commentator describes it as Jesus has innate authority. It's part of who he is. This is very unlike the scribes. He understood the law on a completely different level, as if he wrote it himself. But the story doesn't stop there. It gets much more interesting. In verse 23, immediately, while Jesus is teaching... A demon-possessed man bursts onto the scene. He's there to intimidate Jesus, to challenge his authority. We don't know where this man came from. Mark seems to imply he was sitting there in the synagogue, blending in with everyone else. A good reminder for us that sometimes darkness can lurk in places we don't expect. Listen to what this demon-possessed man says. Verse 24. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. He is challenging Jesus' authority. See, in, 
In the days of Jesus, it was commonly believed that demons gained power over people by using their names. And that's exactly what this demon's trying to do. I know who you are. I know your name. It's almost as if he's trying to gain power over Jesus so he can wield Jesus' own authority. But praise be to God, Jesus is not intimidated by this. He speaks directly, authoritatively, and now with power in verse 25. Be silent, come out of him. That's all he says, only a few words. And then it gets really interesting. The man begins convulsing and screaming out loud. Please don't do that here. And the unclean spirit leaves. This is not just a demonstration of authority, but Jesus with his words has shown power. He has affected what he has intended. He has spoke and it has happened. With only a few words, the forces of the enemy are scattered. You see what's going on here? Power, authority, two words that Jews only associated with God are now being shown in this man, Jesus of Nazareth. This simple carpenter is showing the power and authority of God. It's almost as if Mark is giving us a small hint about who this Jesus is. The people respond in verse 27. What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. That last verse can be translated as he has power over the unclean spirits. See, if you understand this complex history of power and authority, then you begin to see what this text is telling us today. The radical claim of the early church that Jesus of Nazareth is Lord, that all power and all authority rested on this man from Nazareth. This same uh, truth, Jesus as Lord, it motivated the apostles to face down the powers and authorities of their own day. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the governors, and eventually Caesar himself. And this same truth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus has all power and all authority. That should encourage us today who want to follow him. See, like much of the pagan world in Jesus' day, our world conflates power and authority. In our culture, we don't make those same distinctions. Who wields the most power and authority today? Kings? Princes? Politicians? Governments? Maybe. If you ask me, though, the most powerful and authoritative people today are famous people. Celebrities. People on TV, people on the internet, people on YouTube, people with the most social media followers or people with the most money. Celebrities have tons of influence over what the average person thinks and believes. And yes, you are average people. People like Patrick Stewart can use their fame, their celebrity for good. But not all famous people are like Patrick Stewart. 
Some people use their fame and their money to benefit themselves, to achieve their own goals. They speak loudly and drown out the voices of the powerless and oppress those without authority. See, hear me, not all fame is necessarily bad. In verse 28, Jesus is described as being famous. His fame spread throughout the countryside. But his fame came after people recognized his power and authority. I think often our culture gets it the other way around. Someone becomes famous and then we listen to whatever they say. We trust them to be speaking truth. Authority, power, fame, these things all could be used for good. So whose authority do you respect? Whose voice do you listen to? Do you trust? Who do you trust for truth, for wisdom? Do you listen to Jesus, his powerful and authoritative word? All of you are probably going to say yes to that. You're in church. But let's be honest. I don't always listen to Jesus. Often I listen to pundits and professionals and celebrities. I trust the authority and power of people rather than the power and authority of Jesus. Friends, to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus means that we follow him in his way of life more and more, every day, closer and closer. And as we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes us more like him. And as amazing and as powerful and as authoritative as this scene in Mark 1 is, Jesus showed all power and all authority on a cross outside of Jerusalem. He took on the abuse and the violence of the powers and authorities of his day, of the famous people, and died a violent death. And we're called to be like him. That's what St. Luke says in his gospel, chapter 9. We are to take up our own crosses daily and follow him. In a world that so misunderstands power and authority, we're called to be different. See, by virtue of where you are, by virtue of your background, you have some kind of authority. You have some kind of power. God has gifted that to you. And you can use that to benefit yourself or to benefit others. Christians are called to follow the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. I love how St. Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There he's wrestling with his own call, his own authority, what God wants him to do. And he hears a word from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you hear that? The power and authority of Jesus are available to all of us sitting here because of the Holy Spirit. But they're only accessible to us if we embrace weakness if we follow the way of the cross, if we let go 
of our power and authority and walk lives of humility. Friends, letting go is hard. It's a lot easier to hold on to our own truths, to our own wisdom, to our own abilities, to trust in ourselves and what we can do in our own power. But humility, weakness, this requires training. It requires discipline. We need to learn how to do this. It's not natural towards us. Sin pushes against that way. That's why we pray. Think about the most important prayer Jesus gave us, the Lord's Prayer. The church throughout the years has ended it with this powerful doxology. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Do you hear that? We need to be reminded of this every day, multiple times a day. That's why our prayer book has it say it all the time because we are all tempted to use our power and our authority to benefit ourselves. We're all tempted to listen to the people of our world who claim to have authority. We self-protect, we lie, we cheat, we cut corners, we get angry with other people if we don't get our way or if we disagree with them. And when we are tempted, the best thing to do, the only thing to do is to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Prayer disciplines our power-seeking hearts. Prayer redefines our worldly understanding of power and authority and refocuses us on the passion of Jesus Power is made perfect in weakness. The way of the cross is the way of life. We, the church, the body of Christ, we have access to the power and authority of Jesus. He has given it to us by his Holy Spirit, but we have to carry our crosses. We have to follow the way of weakness. Can you imagine what a powerful witness that would be the church throughout the world followed after Jesus in this way if we carried our crosses. What a witness for a world in desperate need. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.